what you're learning in the BDSM session is how to live life, how to let go, how to trust somebody, how to get to a place that you can't get to by yourself, but with the guide of another person you can. That's and how to open up and how to empathize and how to release and how to not resist pain and suffering and just go with the flow and all of a sudden it becomes pleasure and it's a learning moment when you realize I could take this. I put a spell on you Because you're You better stop the things you do I tell you I I bet if I told you I knew someone who helped people face the monsters in their closets every day who was personally and professionally devoted to the pursuit of intense human connections of uh, deep understanding of learning of helping others well you'd probably think I was describing a psychologist or or maybe a spiritual leader, but certainly not a professional dominatrix. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that when I say that, some of you throw all those attributes away and just simply think, freak, she's a freak. The people who see her are freaks, right? Well, this conversation just might change your mind. I mean, look, I, I'm a bit guilty of having some preconceived notions, too. I, I guess I always imagined a professional ass-slapper as someone with some anger issues who probably dislikes men and is sort of an egotistical asshole. But that's the exact opposite of Colette. She is, she's filled with love really truly filled with love. You can feel it when you're talking to her. You'll feel it when you listen to her talking. And she's very educated, uh, super intelligent, and um, in command of her own life. And that's more than most of us can say. Uh, In fact, after talking to her, I can say that she's someone who is in pursuit of the super valuable stuff that lives outside of the routines that most of us are trapped in. And the interesting thing is, is that last year, the familial and romantic relationships in her life went through this huge shakeup when uh, I guess the compartmental structure that she had relied on to keep all of these secrets completely contained uh, collapsed. And those were those secrets were brought into the light. And in our conversation, you'll hear how she's traversed these changes and really grown because of them. Now, if this is your first time listening, be sure to visit growbigalways.com and sign up for the show note email that's sent out with each episode. Why? Well, it's it's a great way to see the topics and references that come up in our conversation. And, you know, no, those notes are not computer generated. They're hand plucked, artisanal, cold pressed and curated by yours truly so that you do not have to pull out a ballpoint pen on your crisp morning sunrise jog or stop defacing the local police station with your graffiti of a little girl frisking a SWAT geared officer just to take notes. Now, we wouldn't want that, would we? So. If this isn't your first show and you haven't started following Grow Big Always on Instagram or Snapchat or liked the fan page on Facebook or added some comments to our Reddit community, which you can find via our website, then WTF, please do. It's just a couple mouse clicks and those sorts of things keep me going. They put a crooked smile on my face and a spring in my shoes or step or some sort of spring. Anyway, without further ado, here is my second conversation with Colette. Why the second? Well, stay tuned and you will hear why. Anyway, I hope you take away as many amazing nuggets as I did. I know I could learn a lot from her about how to listen, 
how to transform myself into a better vessel to serve others. And most importantly, how to lean into the parts of my mind that dig their heels in. Because let's face it, those are the very same areas that need facing to achieve some serious growth. This is Grow Big Always. I'm Sam Lawrence. Hi. Hi. <laughs> You're back. I know. You're in round two. Round two. Who would have figured that a dominatrix would be super picky about shit? And would like to establish dominance in a conversation. Yeah. You think you can do it? It will be like a power exchange. Do we need a safe word for this podcast? Like uh, post-production or something yeah, like that? that's a good one. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> Feeling kind of intimidated this go around. Um, you should be. <laughs> I'm going to call you on your shit. You are? Yeah. All right. Bring it out. Let's go. We already talked once, <laughs> right? And you, you got back and you listened to it and you you said to me actually just now that you liked our other conversation before we walked in the room. That's true. I think we maybe used up all of this like new conversation energy in the conversation outside of the podcast. Yeah. And so when we got into the room, it kind of felt depleted. Yeah. And then maybe the questions were somewhat leading questions yeah, that yeah. kind of were confirming things that you already felt like you knew and i was validating you which is totally fine <laughs> but you got my trick plus we ate banana bread and whenever you eat banana bread before you have a conversation it kind of fucks it up yeah yeah but and this time it's corn muffins so we'll see right mm -hmm. i love what? the fact by the way that i can eat corn muffins with my wife and then come into my office and, and have a, an interview with the dominatrix that's a pretty good life fucking a it's pretty sweet <laughs> Uh, well, let's start with this. So, um, because we've already had this conversation, I, I, I followed up um, with an email to you ahead of time and asked you, like, where, what are some interesting things to mm -hmm. talk about? And I want to name off a few of the things that you said okay. to me, but but save those since they're so good okay. for later on in the conversation. But the three things that you said when I said just what are some interesting things, mm -hmm. um, you said, well, let's see, I... Uh, and you tell me, you said, I arranged a gangbang for a friend. Yes. Which, by the way, we have that in common because I arranged a meeting with a bunch of guys, a lunch meeting. I guess that's about as, that's, that's not the same thing, is it? <laughs> I just got back from a gangbang. You did? Yeah. Holy shit. And arranging another one for this Wednesday for a friend. Wait, you just got back right now from one? Yeah. It was a girl gang gangbang session. So it was four girls and one guy submissive male wow yeah and i just got back from split pea soup and cornbread oh that sounds really sweet <laughs> okay so that was one that you said the second one was um that you had that you actually took a homeless person to the movies yeah and the third one is that you smoked toad venom so all three of those things we will save but i love okay. those answers <laughs> Now, how did you how did now how did you get into being a dominatrix? Because one of the things we dispelled last time is mm -hmm. that dominatrices don't dominatrices dominatrixes. What's the plural? Is it kind of like matrices, like Matrix? dominatrices? No, that's what I was that's about to I say. Mean. Okay. Mm. So th they don't have sex with their clients. Um, oftentimes that is the case. That is kind of the boundary. Right. right. So no sex occurs. Yes. No sex occurs. I mean, generally, yes. Generally, that yes. That is the case. You know, there's always exceptions. Something happens, right? Once in every Blue moon. one in every thousand client, maybe yeah. just like some kind of thing happens, but no, right. typically. As a general boundary yes. set, that's <laughs> yes. not happening. Yes. That's You're right. right. Okay. So there's exceptions. And for, I think, for the most part, we like to say, no, we never have sex with our clients. That never. <laughs> never. <happens>. Never. <laughs> yep. Just like I never sleep past five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, uh, so yeah, we, cause I wanted to dispel some of those myths, I guess, but you're right. That was kind of leading. And the other thing I was, uh, that I, I thought was really cool that you talked about was that, um, you like collect Casio keyboards. I don't know why I thought that was so cool. Probably because I like Casio keyboards, but that's just uh, maybe not... because you're a nerd too. I'm a nerd. Yeah. I like to geek out. I do like to geek out. So how did you become a dominatrix? Let's get that started. Um, I moved up to the Bay area 11 years ago to start grad school. And uh -huh. two of my friends from UCLA moved up at the same time I did. 
and they started working at a house of domination called the gates okay and one had a okay experience and the other had a really good experience and you know i just asked her what do you do and she kind of described to me what she did to a sub that day it's like well i tied him up i flogged him dressed him up in you know frilly girly sissy clothes and pissed on him and i was like what that's strange. i'm in <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was just something completely foreign to me this world is just like i i didn't understand what why someone would be into that and because i'm just a very curious person i just wanted to know what it is and so i just so it ignited your curiosity mm -hmm. and and that's what kind of got you like i want to learn more of it learn yeah. more about it i think i've always been a curious person hmm. and i always gravitated toward things that are a little different and weird uh -huh. and just by dint of like bdsm it's just a deviation or a kink right and right. so course i kind of went there and it yeah it was the only exposure i had to bdsm was like reading the story of O and having some fantasies in my own mind about things but that was it and so i just dived into it and realized that this is it this is my calling well years later did i realize that it takes some time but like i'm I'm pretty confident that this is where I should be. Yeah, and how, so how long have you been doing it again? 11 years. 11 years, and you've had how many folks that have been clients over the 11 years? I don't know, I can't even, like... Hundreds? I'd say it passed a thousand, Mark. Past a thousand? Yeah. Oh my God. So were you just like freaked out and scared when you started though? Like how do you even... I was nervous. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of like, jumping into this unknown void right you just don't know what yourself what you're getting yourself into until you're just like doing it you're like oh i'm just doing this thing that seems really odd and strange but once you act as if you're a dominatrix you just become one and then you start embodying this like bravado and confidence and you're like oh i i get it i see it and it feels really good. And do you, I mean, because you've got to have a, an amazing amount of confidence in not just putting yourself in an environment. I mean, I guess the skates place is kind of makes it, it they, they must help because if there's a bunch of people there, there's a system and it makes it. Right, right. It's easier when there's um, a group uh, where there's camaraderie and rapport among right. a group of ladies who are all doing this together and. So we could share these stories and talk shop. And right. It's there's something quite nice about it. It feels like a, a really fun collective. That once, of course, there's this initial period where you like, you know, start working at a house of domination. You're like, well, what did I get myself into? These ladies are <laughs> all divas, and they're all, you know, uh, they all have their own quirks and eccentricities and. Um, one of my <laughs> colleagues described as like fight club, but for girls, oh. like it gets, it feels very intense because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But then once you establish your own identity and you're confident in your own skin, then you're fine. But you know, that's a cool description. <laughs> what, what, I mean, so like, but then you still have to have the confidence in yourself to, to get in a room with someone and start like, so and lead them through something did you were right. you already that confident or were you just like fuck it i'm gonna figure this thing out it was the latter it was just kind of acting as if and faking it until you to make it yeah wow yeah so so take me through like okay you've been doing this 11 years like I don't know. Like, what's a session like, like? What's a session like when someone walks in the room? They walk in the room with you, and they're like, "Hey," I, or I presume you're talking to them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. you're, There's okay. lots of negotiation that happens before. Okay. I see a client. Um, I screen them through emails, phone calls, get a sense of their history of experiences, what they're into, what their limitations are, what mm -hmm. their medical uh, limitations are as well, and so you have a good sense of what you're gonna do before you um start before you start a session but then you also before the session begins you have time to talk with one another and, and get to know each other yeah and then and then they strip uh-huh all their clothes and then they 
get into a position that I want them to get into, maybe on all fours, maybe on their knees, and then it just goes from there. Huh. And so, like, when people tell you their ideas ahead of time, I presume they're pretty detailed, or are they not? Are they it just varies. Kind of, oh, really? It varies. I think for, like, a veteran sub who's been doing it for a while, it could get very detailed. They know exactly what they like and don't like. And for those who are novices, they're like, I think I might like this or that. And so you take their set of interests and you kind of extrapolate from it. You're like, well, if you're into that, then you're probably into this too. And so you kind of expand their repertoire of what they think they might like. Huh. Okay. So what are some of the, like, has there ever been um, some uh, kink that someone had that you thought, God, I, I don't know how what I think about that. But then in the moment, you're like, wow, that's actually something that I really liked too or that I really didn't like. Or, I mean, has there ever been right. something like that? Oh, yeah. There are lots of those moments where I'm like, oh, this is strange. I don't get it. And uh-huh. then you do it and you're like, oh, I kind of get it. Kind of like sloshing, which is when you like chew up and masticate food in your mouth and like feed it to your sub it's like mama bird baby bird and i think that's what it was when i realized like oh it's like mama bird baby bird i could see what this is it's very like intimate intimate and it's like this thing that because it was inside your mouth and you chewed it up it becomes so much more delicious right oh interesting (laughs) did they ask you to chew up corn nuts uh no (laughs) that'd be pretty gross yeah no i've had some really strange things that i've like one of my clients way way back in the day like maybe because i'm asian and i had my also asian colleague in the session and it was a very asian themed meal it was like chow mein and some other things and it was at some point it got really disgusting right right you're you're like okay (laughs) chow mein shoot up chow mein spit in another person's mouth you know, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to keep the persona going probably at that point. After a while, but it was fun and funny and silly. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So, uh, I mean, what would surprise people about the folks that come to see you? Like, because I, I imagine for a lot of people have a picture in their head. Like, these are people who, you know, are something's fucked up with them and, you know, yeah. they're just dirty, wacky weird people right right because it's kind of like the monster in the closet syndrome you don't because you think you don't know these people but they're actually probably people you interact with all the time and yeah it's just their interior world that you don't see Hmm. so it's probably you know one in five colleagues or coworkers of yours is into this and you have no idea but something that maybe would be surprising for some who have no exposure to this world is that all the submissives and clients I have are the sweetest people I know. They are just the nicest people I know They're, And they're all, I mean, it's not um, a surprise. They're all very open-minded, very liberal. And um, for the most part, even like they subscribe to like Eastern religion and philosophy i feel like a lot of them do that's interesting yeah that's super super interesting that's yeah there was there was this thought i had like a couple of months ago it was kind of like an aha moment when i was like wait what's going on like i've come kind of full circle in my religiosity from like growing up in a buddhist household converting to mormonism for a decade becoming an atheist and then agnostic and then just in the past year i'm like buddhist again and then a lot of my clients are Buddhist too. And then I started thinking like, what is this correlation between Buddhism and like people who are kinky? And then I got really high one night and I started spelling out the letters of Buddhism. B-U-D-D-H-I-S-M. And then I started circling some letters in that word. The B. Mm-hmm. There's the D. There's an S and an M. BDSM. Yeah, that's pretty is like Buddhism rehashed. Yeah. If you take all the vowels out. Yeah. And then I re- then I all clicked. I'm like, that's right. Like every session is a journey that is a parallel to your experiences in life, but just condensed in this very intense form. 
what you're learning in the BDSM session is how to live life, how to let go, how to trust somebody, how to get to a place that you can't get to by yourself, but with the guide of another person you can. That's and how to open up and how to empathize and how to release and how to not resist pain and suffering and just go with the flow and all of a sudden it becomes pleasure and it's a learning moment when you realize I could take this, right? It's life. That's crazy because that description is better than like when I go see a shrink, you know, because <laughs> it, at least the, the uh, intensity of what you're talking about, you know, you have those maybe sh moments with your shrink every once in a blue moon where you have these those kind of moments right. the rest of the time you're just complaining about your you know your i think shit. a bdsm session is like this really highly condensed intense form of therapy like it's, yeah it's a very effective form of therapy because sometimes it feels like with a lot of my subs and slaves they can't make these changes in their own lives for themselves because of issues of self-worth but with someone whom they respect and look up to and you know adore as a goddess if i tell them hey you should clean up your diet and exercise they do it immediately they can't do it for themselves but they could do it for someone that they you tell people that yeah I'll, well it's funny i don't even have to tell them that they just know that when they see me regularly they want to continually look better and present themselves better and better for me and oh. so they're just motivated oh to i see they're so exposed yeah, in every way exactly yeah oh they, they're, they're like i better they're get naked. my shit together yeah mm -hmm. i'm they're naked they're like kind of mentally naked mm -hmm. they're physically naked they're yeah oh god yeah that would be pretty yeah so it's a good motivator to yeah improve your life get your shit together so um one of the things that you mentioned in our first conversation is that and that blew me away was that some people have been coming to you like not only repetitively but like almost like there's i think you said once a week for years or something or right. did i make that up or is that no 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 yeah yeah no for i mean one of my oldest longest slaves saw me like in the first couple of weeks that i started working at the gates and we've been seeing each other ever since the best because i mean how do you how do you keep shit like that interesting with people though because um i mean i i get i mean if i ate ho-hos every single day i would not want to like go in other words you're just having the same you're seeing the same person how how can it be interesting and uh new and you don't fall into like some weird comfort zone and you're just you know like how is it that same experience you just said that kind of like uh buddhist almost experience every week on wednesdays from two to three i think it varies when it becomes something that's like weekly and that long term you start building in rituals to your activities and so there is this thing that there you know there's some things that you know will always happen Hmm. with this you know with this sub that you're with because and so it's not always this amazing new impactful completely fresh session every time but okay. it's almost like saying like you know you're in this relationship with your wife and how do you keep it new all the time you know it's just like it's not going to have that new relationship energy all the time yeah but that there's makes sense what it is is it's a relationship that you're building with someone and every time you see them that trust deepens and that's what makes it different and that you could go deeper do you check out sometimes though like people are staying there and it because it's like you're it is a job right so you're kind of like this is going on the person's sitting there and maybe it's not so interesting and you're just kind of going through the motions and in your head you're like i've got to buy milk i've got to get crackers what else do i need to do and you're like beating the shit out of someone's ass or something like is that does that happen that, that happened earlier on i think there or you go through a phase where you learn a lot of things really quickly and then i think it's all how you um set your intentions going into this kind of you know experience 
I used to be like that. I used to catch myself doing that where I could just like dial in and be in autopilot mode uh-huh. and then think about, well, what should I eat for lunch? But then I realize when I do that, I take away from this session and I can't like, that's not what I want to do. I want each session to be meaningful and impactful. And as I, in, in the past, it feels like over time, as I become more thoughtful about the practice of what I do, I keep on getting more and more focused, intuitive, and everything becomes effortless. I don't plan sessions that much anymore. Mm. I know what everyone likes and what they're into, but when I go into a session, I just think I'm going to be completely in the moment with this person and read into every cue that they're giving me, and I will intuitively know what to say, what to do, and I'm just going to go. And so for me, it's jumping into the void with them as well, and it's a dance. You don't know how it's going to look. You just go and flow. But you, it's just... You could choose to be passionate or not passionate about your work. And I realize when I put my passion into it, I just love it more. Mm. And I look forward to it every day. So there's, I think that there's two ways to, or many ways to approach it, but I could, you know, just be in auto mode and not think about it. But that for me wasn't enjoyable. And the way in which I get a lot of out of, out of it is when I see how much they get out of it. So I want to put all of myself into it and be completely present. Yeah. Commit yourself to being right in that space. That makes sense because otherwise it would become. It uh, would be work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're not passionate about it, then it becomes work. So pour your passion into it. Then it's just play and flow. I mean, does it, I mean, does it affect your, so let's just kind of, we're looking backwards, I guess, because, because you and I have talked uh, and had another conversation, there's some insights that I have that I, I want to get to some of these topics later. But yeah. like when I, when you take a look at the kind of backwards looking mm-hmm. um, perspective of all of this, you know, I mean, uh, is, is it, uh, how does it affect your, your your private life, you know, your life outside of that world. Because first of all, you have to keep the whole thing. You can't just be walking around going like, Hey, here's what I do like to everybody. Right. So you've got all that kind of in a a space. Yeah. And then I'm presuming when you're having relationships with people, it's got to affect that. Oh my goodness. For sure. (laughs) Yes. And so like describe what, how does it bleed into your everyday life? Yeah, like what? I mean, I mean, of course, the, the the humor side of my brain goes like, I'd just walk into my bathroom and be like, my bathroom's dirty. I better get a slave over here and just get some shit cleaned up. But like, yeah, but <laughs> but like seriously, though, how does it? Yeah, how does it affect all those other moving pieces? What was going on for you back then? Well, yeah, I think I went through varying degrees of how much I wanted, um, how much I wanted to take let into my everyday life and for a while it did bleed into it a lot because I had six slaves in my stable and they were doing chores for me and giving me rides to places and and I realized that although all those things are very nice it was actually a lot of work for me to keep up with this um, persona that needs to recharge and because I wasn't being like I was always in it all the time it drained me. And so I, I realized I needed a space to, to have a counterbalance to Colette. And it's, yeah. And, um, yeah, because there's that persona and then like, where's the other you? Right. Yeah. And so I've been making more time for myself and giving myself more room to, um, just recharge and let my mind relax and be, for me, what it was, was I had to uproot a structure of letting, letting those who need me not take up all of my time because who I am, I'm just a person who I'm there for someone who needs me. And if they need me a lot, then I'm there for them. But then at some point I realized I need time for myself as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I started giving myself that time to just be me and to relax and get myself out of this beta mode of like, well, I got to reply to that slave and he has a punishment schedule that needs to be, you know, 
doled out or there's come calendar, chastity calendar, all these things I had to keep up with, which always had me in this beta mode of like, oh, what do I need, need to do next? Who do I need to reply to? And, and then I just let all of that go for the past year and a half. I've restructured my whole life so that I'm not in that mode of thinking about what do I have to do next as Colette. And I just created some boundaries so that only when I'm in the dungeon does Colette come out. And when I'm not in the dungeon, then she doesn't. Have you ever worried that like you've bitten off on a path that like the toothpaste is out of the tube and you, there's like no returning to like a vanilla normally kind of world in, oh shit, how does this scale over time? And yeah, like, do you ever get freaked out about that? I don't get freaked out. I just get really grateful that I am on this path. I'm like, okay, I can't go back to a normal job at all. I can't have a boss. I can't have like once you've experienced freedom and that's what for me being a pro dom is like it's complete freedom and control over your time and where you want to be and who you want to see like everywhere that I am it's exactly where I want to be and I can't accept any other life other than that mm. and so I I have been spoiled in that way where you know when my mom was telling me to quit and just have a normal job and I just the idea of that is so soul crushing that I can't even conceive of going back to that or even having that world. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, and you just touched on something that, which is that your mom, um, your mom found out. Yeah. I know. That was last year. That was a, that was a crisis that I had. My sister outed me out to my mom last year and, um, that was probably for me like the most intense um, or it was like the a crisis in my life because my whole reality that I built on keeping the secret from my family and having these two lives and having all these parts of myself compartmentalized, that whole structure completely imploded or exploded and and once your reality has been completely smashed, you, you're just like, what next? Like, I can't hide behind these lies anymore. And now I'm just out there and this is the truth and reality. And what it means is that I have to choose, or at least in that moment when, when my mom was begging me to quit, I had to choose either making her happy or... Well, if I were to make her happy, then I would quit and not be Colette anymore, which means I couldn't be happy. And so I was like, I have to choose between these two things, either making my mom happy or living this life that I don't want to live because I'm doing what she wants me to do. And I, it, it was this moment of truth of like, okay, what are you going to do? And I had to believe that I could be me and live the life I want to live. And that my family will accept me. And that was a scary. That's got to be scary. Uh, because for all I, like all of I, like all this time, I just thought that's impossible. And it, because in that moment, it, it didn't seem possible. They were constantly telling me to quit doing this. It's, it's just not acceptable. Yeah. But what it, what is, I mean, and so did you say to your mom, I look, I, I'm going to keep doing this and, or did you just keep doing it and say, okay, she's going to come around and, or was it, it wasn't so much of a it was sit kind down. Of a, like I promised her that I would always keep my research and academia in my life. And that's something I'm never going to, I got a PhD in that. So I'm not going to like, just let that n not go to, to, towards something. So I'm going to keep on applying myself in that area, but this is something that I can't give up. And so, um, and I've kind of taken like different routes and avenues with Colette. It's not just about sessions anymore. It's about writing out these experiences and telling my story so that people who are outside of this world can understand it better. Because, you know, it's that thing as you were talking about, it's like the monster in the closet. It's like, what is this? Who are these people? Are right. they freaks? Are you a freak for being a dom? Like all of this, I want to dispel these misconceptions about kink. And so I've been trying to write more and 
put my writing out there and share my stories and mm. hopefully it can help others see what I see and I see so much beauty and truth and just yeah. love and do you, here's a so did opening up to your did that in kind of uh, as you put it uh, collapse compartmental uh, collapse yeah. of all of the different places that you had stored like all the rooms in the house that you yeah and try to keep everyone separate yeah that did that collapse um do you think that created a porousness in you that allowed you to change um relationships in other areas because i know that you ended up mm -hmm. like basically falling in love or falling in mm -hmm. some sort of love with one of your um Mm -hmm. clients right and that's what i was kind of mentioning earlier yeah. when you were saying so you don't sleep with your clients i'm like well nah. <laughs> i mean except for the one that i am like, in a relationship right with yeah yeah so i mean like do you think that that collapse is kind of the thing that mm -hmm. um made you go hold on a second now there's some of those walls have gone down and i can be i can change some of these things right i think this the structure of all my relationships changed last year when it was funny, well, I fell in love with my client right before I was outed. And I think that was, uh. the timing of it was very perfect because he was somewhat like the support that I needed during this crisis. And he was there and very accepting and loving. And um, if I, yeah, when everything else felt like it was falling apart, I had this pillar that was very stable and supportive. And so, um but it was this last year was a, the year of like profound growth and it was a giant shift in my life and having, um, you know, being exposed, having the whole structure of my reality collapsing and then meet, meeting, not meeting someone, but realizing this person, this client that I've had for three or four years and really just knowing, getting to know him deeply um, on acid and then seeing that, wow, wait a second, this person that I never thought I could be compatible with is actually someone who is this perfect complement to me in this yin yang way. And I was like, oh, and I never had this thought about like, I never thought soulmates existed, but when I, when you're with someone and you see how perfectly connected you can be with someone and it fits so well, and you could almost have this like telepathic connection with them because you guys almost think on this same level mm -hmm. and you think this is way too connected and synchronicitous and all of that to it for it to be random and you have to believe in some way it's like how can we be so connected it feels like we've known each other yeah you're like on the same xylophonic key or something yeah. you and know that's it's how just, i got in, back into buddhism because yeah. i is the idea of soulmates and having someone who feels like they've known you from another lifetime be with you in this lifetime and connect with you in this way. It started, it for me, it, it allowed me to think about other possibilities other than just this one life. I was like, no, there must be something deeper. Too. Yeah. Well, and you guys were on acid because, Jesus, I have to tell you, whatever acid you, that you, you took um, was way better than whatever I took. Because whenever I took it, it was just like drippy faces and like tracers and shit like that. So, I don't know. I it's have to... about setting your intentions, I think. <laughs> You're right, yeah. actually. It is. Of course, I was also like 19, but. Oh, yeah, I, I think I didn't start. I mean, last year was the first year that I started doing acid. And I think it helps to do it when you have a lot of stuff in your brain to work with right so uh -huh. you collect all these things and by a certain age i feel like in your 30s you should do acid it's a completely different experience are there drugs that you, that you haven't tried that you want to um like what about ayahuasca have you ever thought about I'm that i'm about to arrange one i'm organizing uh -huh. one in january late january wow house. yeah oh i want to hear how that goes yeah there's speaking of drugs i've had the experience of um, having the, I can't even describe it, but I smoked toad venom 
God, is, that is just so crazy. <laughs> which is 5-M-E-O-D-M-T. Oh, that's and, DMT? Yeah, but it's the natural kind that comes from the oh. venom of a toad that's been milked out. Because I've just bonged like an African egg-eating snake saliva, but never like DMT <laughs> from a... a t- no, I'm just kidding. But, okay, sorry. So how, how did you like hear about this even? It was organized by um, friends at our house, and so we hosted it. And I had no idea what it was. I was like, oh, it's like a shaman drug meditation experience but it was nothing like i expected there was a shaman and a doctor who um came into our house and like set up in one of our rooms like this nest and this altar and flowers and the woman who was a shamanist was like this angel and one like each how many us, people were there it was them two and them two and there was like eight of our friends but okay. we would go into the room one at a time with the doctor and the shaman and um you smoke in this toad venom well you first you set your intentions and you kind of um say whatever you want to say about what you want to get out of this experience and this woman who's a shaman is just this complete empath and you she has this amazing energy and she just makes you feel like you've just stepped into this whole other realm. But so she's sets this amazing presence and then you, you smoke this. If so you get in front of the, wait a minute, you get before the smoke, yeah. you get in front of this woman and, and there's she's kind of a ritual of like uh-huh. kind of purifying yourself with Palo Santo and speaking your intentions and like, what did can you share what your intentions were? Um, yeah, my intentions were, let me try to remember what the first one was. I wanted to be my best self in my relationship because I felt like a November was a crazy month for me and lots of my friends around me, everyone was going through a relationship turmoil. And I also was because, you know, I'm in a polyamorous relationship and we're hitting new milestones, like taking on new lovers and paramours that could be threatening and jealousy and all these things. And so Hmm. I was experiencing um, some lashing out from my partner for, you know, from whatever it was, but it was super intense. And I just felt like I need to be my best self and be completely conscious of what I do and say. And when I get triggered, my abandonment issues get triggered, just allow me to be completely grounded and not, you know, run away or do what I typically do in these situations. Yeah. And, um, and also I asked to just remove this fear that I have of not being a good enough writer, which holds me back from writing and sharing my writing because I'm like, oh, it's just not good enough. Like bravery, like putting yourself out yeah, there in an uncomfortable way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so those were, I think those were my two biggest intentions that I set for myself. And I think also the other piece was just help me help others. Like I just want to be this vessel that can serve others better. Um, wow. And, and so then you, and then, so then they hand you a, what, something to smoke out of? It was kind of like a of? flask okay. with toad venom in it. And then it was lit at the bottom. And then you, there was like a piece of aluminum foil over it and you poke this straw through it. And then you just smoke in this um, toad venom. And it, it is the longest breath that you will ever take. And so. On your exhale, you mean? Or as you're inhaling it, you keep on inhaling the smoke and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to cough. And all of a sudden, this uncomfortableness completely goes away. And all you, I can't describe this experience because it's so intense. It is the most intense feeling you'd ever feel. It's as though um, all of a sudden you're like, it hits, you're like, this is happening. And then things start pixelating the scale-like way. And things start accelerating and your whole body feels as though it's every cell is vibrating and and it's washing through every cell in your body and feels like it's emanating and releasing something from like, it feels like it starts at your heart and moves outwards and emanates. And it's like super intense. Is it, is it like, moving quickly or is it more like a watercolor bleed? It's. 
super quick. It is so fast. It's so intense. I can't even describe it because it's so intense. I was, I completely let go and no one had this experience but me, but I let out like these screams and cries that sounded like I was giving birth. Every exhalation was like a, oh my God. And every, oh my God felt like this profound epiphany that would come to me. And it wasn't this thing like, like what I was thinking or knowing. It was just like, I felt everything. It felt like instead of experiencing one moment at a time, I experienced thousands of moments at a time. And it wasn't seeing it. It was feeling it through my body. And God, it, that sounds intense. If, like think of the most intense experience you've ever had, like anal sex. And instead of being fucked just in your ass, it's like every cell in your body. Every yeah. cell is getting <laughs> ass fucked. Yes. It was so intense. Like, wow. It was a needle point that on giving it. birth scream. That, yeah. Needle point that on it. The scream was like, but it felt so good. Uh -huh. It felt like you were releasing something from yourself. So it was, it's so orgasmic e, but not euphoric. It's more like in your head, and it's this every intensity where everything's folded over on each other your, it felt like consciousness imploded on itself okay because what dmt is it releases dmt which in your pineal glands and that's the same thing that's released during your death so what you're essentially experiencing is your death and what it feels like is the most profound enlightening moment of your life it's just what it what are you doing like. physically in outside your body while this is happening are you still are you crying are you oh oh my god everything i mean for me i was very like i was screaming on my hands and knees moving in like it was completely primal it felt like one of those experiences where you're like like the exorcist or something i was just like but was it bad? Was because it was like no. out of control? Because it that control. sounds out of control, right? It, it was slightly out of control, but it was not bad. It was like the most beautiful, profound, intense experience of your life. It just felt hmm. amazing. I kept on saying, oh my God, because I'm like, oh my God, how could something feel like this? And how much time is passing in this? Um, that, that first moment of like having that crazy body release experience was like 15, 20 minutes. And then consciousness kind of seeps in a little bit. And then uh -huh. you're more aware you're, that you're in a room. And then once that happens, messages start coming to you. And it's like your subconscious is giving you the answers to the things that you're looking for. Oh, wow. In, in the beginning, what you were looking for, you mean? Yeah, what you were setting your intentions for. Just... You can hold on to that through that kind of uh, intensity? Because I would forget everything. It seems like I would forget everything and poop myself or something. It's it's weird. It, what it felt like, it's so hard to describe this to people who haven't. Like, So all my friends who did it, they're like, are you having a hard time describing this to people? I'm like, yes, it just... Right, you, you there's can't, no words. There's no words to ex explain death other than it feels like it's this complete loss and death of your ego and and your ego is how you see the world it's through the lens of your ego right this is your sense of self and you've mm -hmm. lost your sense of self and in that moment you have complete clarity as to what this experience is and what this world is it's like as though you're this glass of water that has been thrown back in the ocean and you know that you go back into the space of this collective consciousness mm -hmm. and, and you, there is no individuality it's it, just this no as they say singularity yes yeah and it's one thing to know it and say it but another thing to experience and feel it yeah. and that's what i felt is this. it sad or maybe not sad is it or when you when you when you are recovered from the high mm -hmm. and it's a X number of days later and you, yeah. you, you recognize and you're holding on to the memory of the fact that your individuality is an artifice to a degree because you are part of this ocean mm -hmm. in reality that, uh, that this story container that you're walking around in every single day, um, is mm -hmm. not real in a way, like, cause it's, it's not meaningful because of this grander thing that's, that's there. 
that you're a part of. Does that make sense? So, right, right, right. I think one of my friends had that experience where he's like, you know, all of this is just like, it's just a game that we're all playing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could... St- but is that depressing as fuck, kind of? No. No? I, I think what, for me, it was the opposite of that. It's like once you experience this, the beauty of death and you're like, oh, and you see the world for what it is and how profoundly beautiful and perfect it is. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's death. And then you really start looking at your life from that point to that, from here to death. What are you going to do to make this life impactful, meaningful for you? And since that experience, I've done it twice, actually. Um, Since that experience, I feel completely different because I'm like, I know what death is. And now I could really start living life because I know how that looks. What do I do now to make from here to there meaningful for me? And it's all about growing and learning as much as you can because that's all you're going to take with you, everything that you learned and bring it back to the collective consciousness to make it a more evolved consciousness. You know, the, my DMT moment without taking DMT was the last two lines of a Mary Oliver poem that reminds me of what you're talking about. Um, and the poem is the name of the poem is the summer's day. And the last two lines of the poem Mm -hmm. are, um, tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. And I had this kind of same thing where I was like, Oh shit. Like there's, (laughs) there's this like little line and there's only so much time. Right. And then, you know, I'm going to be released. And Mm -hmm. so what am I going to do? I had this almost panicky. That's why I was asking like what, Mm -hmm. um, if there was this profound sadness of knowing that sadness or like urgency Mm. or, um, confusion because it's like, now what do I do and what's important? And am I putting my emphasis on the right things? And what's so crazy is that it, there's no confusion. It's like perfect clarity. That's what I got out of the experience. Perfect clarity yeah. onto what, why I'm here, what I'm supposed to do. And now that I've experienced death, I'm no longer afraid of death. And that is the like, I feel like that's the basis of fear. Like the biggest fear that you have is death. Mm-hmm. And once that is gone, there, there shouldn't be any fear of anything else. So I, for me, I feel like my ego has slightly diminished and died a little bit yeah. since that experience. And you're more centered or something. And more centered, more grounded. And that the loss of that ego is a loss of fear because ego is fear, right? And so now I feel like I'm moving through the world in a more unafraid focus on what I'm supposed to do. And that's how you invited the homeless man to the movie theater. No, that actually happened in college. Yeah. Damn it. I was guessing. (laughs) It was just a random memory. I had, I was like, Oh yeah, I went to the movies, a homeless man once. God didn't mean to take us off that, but that, that was, that was, I was just like, man, there's gotta be a way to back to that little factoid. Um, uh, wow. So then, uh, did your boyfriend uh, or partner mm-hmm. do this this that night also? He did it uh-huh. as well. And, and did he life changing for him also? as well? Wow. And it was it it happened at the right time because of all this like relationship turmoil. It made us weather through this like rough stormy patch, and we were able like we've had so many breakthroughs since the toad experience Mm -hmm. in a relationship. And I got to this place like just even a week ago where uh, he had this breakthrough radical acceptance of who I am. He's like, this is you. You're a person who has many, many relationships. They're very deep, intense, emotional. And instead of, you know, feeling threatened or anything by it, he just accepted me for who I am and allowed me to be me. And, it's been incredible to just be fully accepted for who I am. Because for the longest time, I'm like, yeah, I am this weird person who has one too many relationships, fall in love intensely, deeply with people. And and when I'm with them, I'm completely in the moment with them. And I forget about everything else because I'm so present. And 
for the longest time, I felt like having these many relationships um, made it so that I couldn't have a real mm-hmm. relationship with my boyfriend because they were always constantly threatened by my, you know. Different relationships. Yeah. Um, have you thought about how, um, I don't know, and maybe I'm reading into this, but like when you have all those relationships and they're kind of secret and they're kind of special and they kind of get fetishized in a way because mm-hmm. they're all secret. They're in those compartments, right? Right. And then you turn the orange inside out and you meet someone and you fall in love and that person goes, oh, I see your inside out orange and I love your inside out orange anyway. And all the like um, electricity involved mm-hmm. and excitement involved with having all of these different things going on mm-hmm. um, now kind of shifts because it's out in the open and the other person loves you for it and all that stuff. Have you thought about like mm-hmm. how the arc of that, like, do you, do you still see yourself mm-hmm as having you know all of those things or do you kind of go wow now that i'm inside out like this and i'm in love with somebody and they accept me i don't feel like i need it anymore i feel like since the this experience of being with someone who i feel like is my soulmate and being outed like i am more open i am more honest and i have less secrets and lies and mm-hmm. it feels really good to not have to carry that weight of keeping things separate right it's a lot of energy putting being put into something that's just about like i i just didn't need to do all of that i felt like i needed to to protect people from the truth but mm-hmm. once it's out there i feel so much lighter and freer by not having to hold on to these things that i thought had to be kept close to me and the more that i reveal and expose myself to others it's just liberating and i just want to keep on doing that i want to keep on digging deep into like all these things that i used to be ashamed of and just putting out there because there's nothing better than to let go of this thing that you feel like you would be judged or shamed by and then to be accepted and understood and loved it's it's a release of that fear yeah it's completely gone don't you wish it would be, it, that it, it was so much easier for everyone to do? It, it would be nice. Yeah. yeah it, it would be a completely different world if we didn't live in fear of not of being judged, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, 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 the degree of freedom you're talking about that you feel of letting go of all of that stuff, um, I mean, it's kind of like if you're if you're listening to this and you're driving, you know, down a country road in your small town, it's like, where the fuck do I start? How do I even get to that place? You know, like, I don't even know how to do it. What do you do? You know, right. but to, to be there would be amazing. I think know? to be there, to let go of all these things that we're afraid of, that is a part of us is it's self-love it's like loving every aspect of yourself even Mm -hmm. the darkest dirtiest kinkiest parts like if you can love that then you can love yourself and once you have self-love you can truly love another person because you're made whole by yourself not anyone else and you don't need anything else from anybody and once you don't need anything from anybody you actually are just giving Mm -hmm. yeah that's so cool um yeah, and I, I, I think also it's just very, you have to be pretty brave to, to the different things you've touched on, you know, opening up yourself to your own kinks even. Yeah. Is scary. Right. Opening yourself up to your family, even if it's not that you're like, you know, someone else is a pro dom and they're open. It's just like, just going, look, this is who I really am, mom and dad, right. whatever that is, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. Just opening yourself up like that, opening yourself up to a parent, I mean, to yeah. a, a partner. Um, those are all high, highly scary things to, to, right. to do. It's scary because you, there's the fear of judgment and non-acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's or that scary. you're something's wrong with you too. Right. Like what happens if I open this up, then what's in there? Yeah. Like what's in there? Like what's, what's in, in this relationship 
if I say to my partner, I want to love other people besides you. Yeah. Or I want to be dressed <laughs> up like a girl and... And peed on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to eat chow mein and, th- and, and spit it in your open mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> I still do. I do have that as a lower back tattoo, by the way. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, yeah, that's like, that's the... That's, yeah, that's the thing that's scary. And, um, and what I've kind of been coming to realize is that the things that you're afraid of, instead of running away from them, you really should just move towards them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because that's the only way to, to grow. Because if you just kind of continued in the same way that you have in the comfortable path and walk in the park, you're not really climbing and climbing requires work and, and it's painful. It's not easy. And the thing that isn't easy is what's going to help you grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people end up, they've almost become experts at dodging all the hard stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, they kind of make it to the end and go, what the fuck did I do? You know, I dodged everything. Um, yeah. (laughs) And, and the other thing that reminds me of when you're saying this is that one of the things we talked about last time, um, that I was, when I was kind of thinking, I was thinking through a lot on my own, but I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, a kink is a bend in something or a, you know, it's off the line, right? A deviation. So there's like, sure, there's sexual kinks, but the other parts that you're talking about are other, these mm-hmm. other hard places or scary places are also these bumps right. or deviations that you're trying to like, oh, I have to straighten this thing out somehow or work through it or do something with right. it, attack it, you know? Or just go with it. Or just go with it. Yeah. Or yeah. go with it. Yeah. Or, or smoke toad venom. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it again? I'm doing it again next week. Jesus Christ. Well, they say to do it three times. Oh, and they it's do? In, or, I mean, yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or at least one person did. Um, Who's this they? The DMT organization? No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, the doctor who administered Oh, really? It. But, oh, you no, know, it's the second time around is just as deeply profound and effective and amazing. And it's, I highly recommend it to I'd be everybody. too scared. I would be, I have to be honest with you. Too I would scared? Be, I would be too scared to do to it. To experience your own death? Yeah. I would be. I would be too Even scared to do it. Even if I'd say it's life-changing and will make you a better and braver person? I want that this outcome. Is about, isn't this podcast all about it growing is. big? And I'm telling you the truth. The truth yeah. is, and I, I do want that outcome, but, yeah. but to walk into a room and go and 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 someone hand you something and have them go okay and and for you to know oh fuck like i'm about to do something and i'm gonna go through this um i don't know like like you just said everything happening at once intense holy shit i'm bent over maybe even throwing up who even knows kind of experience you know i that's that that's would be hard for me to get over. I would I, I would have to be surrounded by people whom I love and trust and whom um you know I didn't feel like I was going into it alone or something. That would be too hard for me. But even though I'm sure you do go through it alone because you have to, but Yeah. It's I mean every I've hosted this experience twice or three times and it's the whole day is magical because you have all your friends in your home and one at a time they go downstairs into this room and they come out of it enlightened and you are all trying to make sense of this death experience and trying to put into words and it's this collective experience of like oh my god we just experienced this thing that has completely changed the way we view the world and ourselves and, you know, the second time around when we did it, we got back together and like, how was it since then? It's like, I'm a completely different person in social interactions and everything. I'm just completely more present. And like one of my friends is like, you know, I went to a party. I was just completely more present and aware. And like I got these girls are just falling all over me because they're like, who like this, 
the sense of like the you just have this complete yeah, yeah a completely different feel and aura to you because you're just exuding this this I don't know what it is. It just comes from within. Like every answer, every question that you have about yourself in life, you realize it's the answer is all from within and it's in your subconscious. And what DMT allows you to do is amplify your subconscious and it tells you exactly what you need to do. It's just everything is there and it's all about tapping into it. Fuck, man. You have to well, do it. Yeah, you'll have to invite me over yes, for your next DMT yes. party. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be. Oh my God, you would be so different. Uh, you would sound different on your podcast. You would oh, just. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I feel like my voice sounds a little bit different since then because I was, you know. Would it get lower? Would my voice it get lower? It got lower for yeah? sure because wow. I was doing these guttural moaning sounds and it just, yeah, there was this. And every time I still have the aftershocks of it, when I breathe deeply and just exhale, I can invoke that same experience of like, uh, like it's still inside me. I wonder who the first person to smoke toad venom was. How the hell does that happen? It's, <laughs> it's been around for thousands of years. God. Yeah. yeah. It must be like, yeah, it must be like this thing. Yeah. It's probably one of the oldest drugs, right? Yeah. It's just been around or something. Wow. It's, it is the it is the best drug in the world. The yeah. most, it's a life-changing drug. Like, there's no other drug that I could say could change your life in one hour. <laughs> well, um, I, thank you for sharing that story. <laughs> that is a, um, that is an amazing, an amazing, uh, journey that you've gone through. And I'm glad that you've, mm -hmm. um, that <laughs> you've, you had us redo this this whole yeah. thing are you happier with it now i'm so happy with yeah it. oh yeah, good yeah for sure i feel like i got to just yeah be me and talk and you're you're great oh thank you yeah well, thank you for sharing the story <laughs> with everybody yeah